0: Welcome to the Kenosha City Church special podcast at the movies. This is where we will learn biblical lessons out of some of our favorite movies. In this message, learn what the meaning of Christmas is through our favorite Christmas classic, A Christmas Story. Enjoy the message.
1: Today, we're going to talk about the Christmas story. What is the meaning of Christmas? And again, for a lot of us, we could probably answer that question it's about Jesus, right? But let me ask you seriously, what is taking up your mind this Christmas season? There's a lot of things that are competing for our attention. So what is the real meaning of Christmas if it was based on what was filling your head or what you're feeling? Now, of course, we know that Christmas is about Jesus. In fact, even before Jesus came to this earth, it was predicted long before that he would come. We see this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Christ has come to make all things new. So what is the meaning of Christmas? Well, today we're going to unpack this question using the classic Christmas movie, A Christmas Story. We're gonna use it as a parable. Jesus said a lot of parables. He used a lot of illustrations. I use a lot of illustrations each week, a lot of times for my own family and my own experience. But today we're gonna to use a movie. Why? Because movies are powerful. They, they, they evoke emotion. They, they evoke us to think about different subjects. And so we're gonna have a little fun today as we look at a Christmas story. Now, some background on this movie. A Christmas story, when it first came out, it was overlooked. By today's standards, it was a box office bomb. It wasn't until the late 1990s when it was picked up by the Turner Broadcasting System that it began to pick up uh, popularity. In fact, now, TBS and TNT together play it 24 hours, uh, Christmas Eve into Christmas, and so it's become a cult Christmas classic. Uh, The Christmas story is about a nine-year-old boy named Ralphie, and his one thing that he wants this Christmas is a Red Ryder BB gun.
0: Due to copyright restrictions, we cannot live stream the movie clips. To summarize, a nine-year-old boy named Ralphie wants nothing more than a Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas. But his mom quickly shuts that idea down, saying, no, you'll shoot your eye out.
1: Poor Ralphie. It looks like he's not going to get what he wants this Christmas and we could probably all relate. We probably asked our parents, maybe you asked Santa Claus on the throne, I want this for Christmas, and he didn't get it. For me, it was a Super Nintendo. I immediately told my mom when Super Nintendo came out, I want the newest Nintendo. And my mom immediately said, no, you're not getting that. And she just didn't get how, it was super. It was was way better than our Nintendo. So every time we went into Sears, Oh yes, some of you remember what Sears was all about. When they went into Sears, uh, they had the latest Super Nintendo hooked up to a TV and you can actually play it. So I would beg mom, let's go to Sears, let's go to Sears. And I would start playing Super Mario World, like, oh, look at this, this thing is way better than Nintendo. She's like, nope, you're not getting it. She was not impressed by those 16-bit graphics. So at 11 years old, if you asked me, what is the meaning of Christmas? I would have told you the right answer. It's about Jesus, but my mind and my heart, it was being dominated by that one present I was fearful I wasn't gonna get, the Super Nintendo. So what is the true meaning for Christmas for you this Christmas? Maybe it's not a Super Nintendo, hope not, but maybe it's your finances, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's your job, maybe it's inflation. You don't know how you're gonna pay for gifts this year. We can't forget the true meaning of Christmas. In fact, this phrase, the true meaning of Christmas, It became popular around the mid 19th century uh, when there was a shift from more of a, uh, to more of a secular cultural idea of Christmas away from uh, the theological understanding of Christmas. Uh, Christians began to see the secularization of this holiday into commercialization and they began to say, hey, wait, we can't forget the true meaning of Christmas. And that's something that we have to fight for today. We have a number of traditions and traditions aren't bad. In fact, some of the traditions have been, in fact, they actually took a poll recently. Nine out of 10 people this Christmas will see family and exchange presents. It makes me wonder what the 10% or why they aren't exchanging presents, I don't know. But nine out of 10 are going to see family and exchange presents. Eight out of 10 are gonna put a Christmas tree up. Again, 20% are gonna put a Christmas tree up, but I love Christmas trees, all right? Eight out of 10 of you, you're gonna put one up. And in, since we live in Kenosha, some of you don't take your Christmas tree down till Easter. No judgment, okay? Uh, six out of 10 of you are gonna make Christmas cookies. Again, only six out of 10, that's the best thing you can do, make cookies. Six out of 10 are gonna make cookies, but listen to this. Only five out of 10 are gonna attend a church service of any kind during Christmas. It's quite low, That's it's been going down each year. But here's the silver lining to this. If you ask somebody who doesn't go to church to come to church during the Christmas season, there's an 80% more likelihood of them saying yes. So that's why inviting people during the Christmas season is so important, it's why we print a bunch of invite cards, because we wanna see people connect to Jesus. And it's during the season we see a lot of people connect to Jesus, why? Because Jesus is the reason why we do all of this. It's the reason why we celebrate Christmas. So there's been a big shift from Christ to commercialization of the holiday. But again, I think it's really important for us to ask and dig deep. What has your attention this Christmas? What thing, what person, what? What has your attention? I think to answer this question, we need to look at three things this morning. Uh, The first thing is your expectation. What do you expect this season? Uh, The next thing is your anxiety. What's taking away your attention from this season? And then finally, how do you align your mind to the things of Christ this season? So let's take a look at the first one. Christmas is a time for great expectation. So what are you expecting this season? Uh, Maybe you're expecting and even dreading for some of you going to see your family and sharing a meal and exchanging presents. Uh, Maybe you're expecting to hit up a store or create a Amazon wish list and you're expecting, man, these things are gonna cost a lot more this year. Uh, Maybe you're expecting a bunch of joy as you hear the Christmas music or maybe some of you are gonna be really sorrowful because something is missing this Christmas. Maybe somebody passed on this year and they're not gonna be around the dinner table and you're anticipating that. Christmas is a time for better or for worse. It's a time of expectation, and it's a time that all of us, we can expect God to move in and through us. It's a time we can remember uh, that God has purposes and plans for your life. And so, let's remember this. The reason why Christ came, he came to save the sins of the world. The coming Messiah uh, was spoken about uh, through prophetic utterances Hundreds, if not thousands of years before Jesus ever uh, came by. In fact, we see in the very first book, by the third chapter, Jesus is already being prophesied. He's already being predicted. Uh, Adam and Eve, the very first human beings, they sinned. Okay, it didn't take long for the human beings to sin, right? And when they sinned, it created a cataclysmic domino effect where every single one of us, we sinned. We do wrong things. The whole universe in an instant, it just changed into into just there's cataclysmic negativity that happens uh, in the universe. And we're told in scripture that these things will always not be. In fact, God is going to renew this universe. He's gonna renew you and I. And he does this by promising us throughout scripture. Now you can imagine when Adam and Eve sinned, you have to imagine that Satan was taking a victory lap. He's like, "Ah, I got him. I got the very first human beings but God is always gonna have the last word. In fact, by Genesis chapter three, verse 15, we get the very first prediction of the coming Messiah that we'll see at Christmas. Genesis chapter three, verse 15 says this, I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. This passage is classically called by theologians as the Proto-Evangelium meaning the first gospel, because it's the Bible's first prediction of the savior. Now, this verse says this, it says that Satan's gonna strike the heel, meaning he's going to wound the savior. We see this when Jesus went to the cross, but notice God's response. He's not just gonna wound Satan, he's gonna crush his head. So Satan's taking a victory lap in Genesis chapter two and three, but God's like, "Nope, you're not gonna get away with this. You see, sin, it harms, it wounds, it eventually kills. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And as a result, we are found uh, in separation from Almighty God. And without God, we try to replace that hole that's in our heart that's meant for God with all sorts of things. It could be presents at Christmas, it could be anything. You just fill in the blank. Whatever you're all about, if it's not God, well, that's what we're trying to make God of our lives. It's an endless cycle it'll let you down and it won't satisfy. And eventually we get to a point where like, what's the meaning of all of this? Well, Paul expressed this in Romans chapter seven, verse 24. He says this, what a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body of death. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus must be our hope. He must be our expectation. So what has your attention this Christmas? Again, the Old Testament—that's the uh, period before uh, Christ's arrival—it spoke often about the coming Messiah. In fact, we have upwards to 400 different prophetic prophecies or predictions that Jesus was going to come. And so, by the time Jesus came to the earth, many Jewish people thought that the Messiah would come to save them, especially restoring their land. They got the salvation part right, but Jesus came to much more than to restore their land he came to make them spiritually well he came to save their sins and make them who are dead spiritually alive some of the richest prophecies come from the book of isaiah and i think this is really important because up until the 1940s the book of isaiah the manuscripts that we have to back up isaiah were from after the time of Christ. And so you can imagine the critics of the time would say, oh, those were added after Christ walked the earth. All these predictions weren't really predictions. It's just people writing the predictions after the fact and saying, look, look at these. But here's the deal. In the 1940s, there was something found called the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls were a number of manuscripts of scripture that were found. And they were dated in the book of Isaiah in full was one of these books they found. And it was dated secularly. Hundreds of years before Christ walked the earth, is that amazing? That we have a full book of Isaiah that has every prophecy of Christ that we find in today's Bible, and these prophecies are really, really specific. In fact, these are some of the prophecies the wise men. You know, the wise men that you see in the nativity sets in people's front yards. These are some of the prophecies the wise men used to find Christ. Here's some of them: Isaiah 9:6. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Isn't that awesome? But we also get the place of his birth. It's in Micah 5.2. Bethlehem, Ethrium, you are small among the clans of Judah, one who comes for you to be a ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity from the ancient times. So the Messiah was coming to be savior. He was coming from a humble town of Bethlehem and he had a purpose and we see this in Isaiah 61.1. His purpose was to save the sins of the world, those who are brokenhearted. Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. You see, sin that was introduced by the very first human beings, it separates us from Almighty God. We are separated from God. But here's the uh, here's the deal. God is not distant right now. He wants to have a relationship with you. Uh, he, he wants you to, to be close to him. So our Creator God, uh, he created you in his image to reflect his goodness. And he created in you a heart that longs to know our almighty God. But when we live apart from God, we're held captive to this world. We're held captive to sin that breaks us. In our hearts, they may be merry for a bit, but they will never be satisfied without Christ. Because our hearts were created to know God personally. and Jesus was coming to break us free for being captive from our sins. Here's another prophecy. This was the Messiah coming into the world in Isaiah 42 verse six. I am the Lord, I have called you for a righteous purpose and I will hold you by your hand and I'll watch over you and I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people and the light to the mountains. Imagine what the wise men thought after reading these prophecies. The savior wasn't just for the nation of Israel, he was for everybody, including the wise men who were not from Israel. They were from uh, They were from out east. What we see here are 400 prophecies that show that Jesus Christ indeed is going to be and is the savior of the world. Now, some of the critics are saying, okay, maybe Jesus just accidentally fulfilled some of these prophecies. That's 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 a logical objection, I guess, except it doesn't make math. It's it, it just, it's impossible. The chances of anyone just fulfilling just eight of the 400 prophecies would be one in 10 to the 17th power. Let's just look at this number on the screen. 10 and 17th power. That's one in 100 quadrillion. Now visualize, this is what this means. Visualize this, the state of Texas, the whole state of Texas is big, right? Imagine uh, every square inch filled with silver dollars, two feet deep, okay? You, You visualizing this, all right? you're gonna mark just one of those silver dollars. A little marking, right? Let's mark it, let's say red, all right? I'm gonna randomly hide it in the state of Texas. What I'm gonna do with you is we're gonna hire a helicopter, I'm gonna blindfold you, and you're gonna tell me where you wanna drop, all right? All right, you're dropping, okay, you get this? And now I'm gonna tell you, okay, just pick up one silver dollar. The chances of you finding that one silver dollar is the chance of somebody just accidentally fulfilling just eight of those prophecies and it gets even more mathematically absurd if you wanna go from there. The Messiah was prophesied hundreds, even thousands of years prior to Christ's arrival. There was a great expectation that God was gonna take the chaos and make it right, and he has. Without Christ, our hearts long for something more, and when our hearts long for something more and it's not Christ, we will try to find our satisfaction in all of the wrong places, sometimes quite absurd places. For Ralphie, it's a Red Ryder BB gun. For me, it was a Super Nintendo. Those, are, those aren't necessarily bad things, but you know, if we're honest, sometimes when we're looking for the meaning of life apart from Christ, we can find meaning or we can find satisfaction in some very awful places. Christ wants to take his rightful seat on the throne of your heart this morning. Our only satisfaction and salvation is found in Jesus. Today, uh, we don't look forward to the coming of the Messiah, no, we look back to the very first Christmas when Jesus Christ was born and because of that we know that when Jesus Christ lived to die on the cross our salvation came through him alone when he paid for our sins and now we look forward to his second coming but in this waiting period as we ask the question what is the meaning of Christmas I'd be lying to you to say that this is easy there can be a lot of anxiety especially this time of year so what are some of the anxieties you're facing? We know for Ralphie, the anxiety he was
0: facing. This next scene opens at Ralphie's school. One of his classmates, Triple Dog, dares another classmate to stick his tongue to a pole. To everyone's alarm, his tongue actually stuck to the pole and wasn't coming off. Suddenly the bell rings and all the other kids leave their classmates stuck to the pole as they head back to class. Ralphie thinks about staying, but heads back to class with everyone else. To their teacher's horror, she looks out the window to find her student with his tongue stuck to a pole. All the kids look out the window with anxiety and awe as the fire department rescues their classmate. To get the class going again, Ralphie's teacher gives them an assignment. They must write about what they want for Christmas. Ralphie sees this as the perfect opportunity to explain why he should get a Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas. Unfortunately, his teacher is not impressed. She gives him a C plus on the assignment, with a note at the bottom that reads, he'll shoot your eye out. Ralphie didn't stand a chance, not with his parents and not with his teacher. So that leaves him with one last option, Santa. Ralphie approaches a mall Santa up the stairs to his throne seat. Santa's grumpy elves hurry Ralphie along because the mall is about to close. Santa asks Ralphie, what do you want for Christmas, little boy? Ralphie's mind goes blank and all he can agree to is a football. This was Ralphie's last chance and he just blew it. He stops himself as he goes down the slide to exit Santa's throne and yells, No! He turns back to Santa and tells him exactly what he wants for Christmas. An official Red Rider BB gun. Santa responds, You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Then gently nudges him down the slide with his boot.
1: Christmas is a time for great expectation. And as we saw with Ralphie, Christmas is a time of anxiety. And this is a time for us to cast off our anxiety. It seems like in little Ralphie's mind, his life is falling apart. If only he can get that BB gun and nobody wants to do it. Not his teacher, not his parents, not even Santa Claus. I can remember when such trivial things of getting a toy, hanging out with friends, making the team. It seemed like if the right things didn't happen when I was a kid, Life was over. Do you remember that, just how important things seemed? And they really weren't in the grand scheme of things. And yet, sometimes in life right now, we do the same thing, don't we? We just transfer it to a job or what's going on in the family. And these things are big, don't get me wrong, but sometimes we think the balance of life is hinged on that. Listen, we are not meant to have that burden. We're meant to give that burden over to Jesus and trust him. Now, all my friends, They received a Super Nintendo that Christmas. I didn't. I felt like a second-class friend because I didn't have what everybody else had. Seems silly. But that's what anxiety can do. It can lift up things and and make a a small hill into a mountain. What anxiety has got you right now? How are you doing right now in the lead-up to Christmas that's only a few weeks away? It's so easy to slide into Christmas with the having an attitude of the sum total of all the drama that's occurred in the last year. And so some of you are thinking, this is impossible for me to have a good Christmas. Listen, here's the deal. It is not impossible. We are gonna celebrate and worship the Savior of the world who has given you a gift of life every single day. And because of that, you're not finished yet because he's not finished with you. This is a time to realize that God is in control uh, and that he holds the balance of your life in his hands. Jesus holds your life in his hands. We see this in Colossians 1.17. It says, and he is before all things. God is, Christ is. And in him, all things hold together. You know, physicists, they still don't quite understand uh, how exactly basic matter, is held up like an atom, The protons or neutrons, they should just fly apart. Uh, the unity and order in all of nature is still debated to this day. But yet we know from this verse in Colossians 1.17 why things are held together, uh, why the laws of physics just don't go nuts all of a sudden. It's because God is holding the very foundations of the building blocks of life together. And because he's doing that, you can know he's holding you together as well too. It may be hard to see in a chaotic world that God is in control, but we live with anticipation that God is gonna make all things new. And it is for your good that you lean into God's spirit this morning and, and you trust him. You trust him day by day. You trust him and let faith arise that he's going before you. Even if we don't necessarily see what's going on, we realize that God is real and he is for you, not against you. That's why we need to follow him and not run from him. Hebrews 11, one says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Be aware of the presence of God this morning in your anxiety, in your disappointments. Acknowledge that God is in control and yield to the Holy Spirit in every area of your life. Allow your life to be not just natural, but the supernatural of Christ living through you, where you live expectantly, Uh, You you, you know when you come to Kenosha City Church that you're gonna be expectantly meeting with God, that you're expecting that lives around you are gonna change. They're expecting that when you invite somebody and they show up, they're not gonna leave the same. We serve a God that can change the hardest heart. We serve the God of the impossible. If faith in God is holding all of life together, do you think that he can take something that is so chaotic and make it beautiful? I believe it. Do you believe it? Cast all your anxieties on him this Christmas because he cares for you. God is saying, bring it, bring it to him. Some of you are like, oh, I don't wanna bother God or I don't wanna uh, bother somebody and and tell them to pray for it." Bother them. This is is the time to cast our anxieties to him because he cares for us. He will take that white elephant gift that nobody else wants and he'll take it and he'll exchange it and give you grace and give you comfort and give you peace in his presence. Don't be the sum total of the drama of this year, be the sum total of his grace, mercy, his power and strength. So what has your attention this Christmas? Christmas is a time of great expectation, but also Christmas is a time to cast off your anxieties to him because he cares for you. And when you give him your troubles, Christmas can be a beautiful time of realignment.
0: Christmas morning finally arrives for Ralphie. To his amazement, his dad is the one that got him an official Red Ryder BB gun. Ralphie heads to the backyard to test out his dream come true. He shoots the BB gun for the first time. Boom! He shoots his eye out! He is relieved to find out that his mom had not seen what had happened. So he stages an accident to hide the real reason why his face is bruised and his glasses are broken. He tells his mom that an icicle from the garage fell on him. As his mom is cleaning up his wounds, they hear barking in the house. The back door was left open and the neighbor's dogs ate their turkey dinner. The whole family feels entirely defeated. Dad tells everyone to get dressed because they are going to go to the only place that is open on Christmas, the Chinese restaurant. This Christmas would live in their memories as the Christmas that they were introduced to Chinese turkey, which is duck. And now, all is right in Ralphie's world.
1: Ralphie got his Red Ryder BB gun. Mom, I'm still waiting for the Super Nintendo. Just kidding. Not really. All right. Anyway, but here's the thing. It didn't satisfy. He literally shot his eye out. Oh, and by the way, the turkey uh, that uh, old man put on the table... Didn't last long with the Pompas' dogs, did it? No, the whole morning was a wreck. And so I think what's absolutely beautiful and even realistic was they went and got Chinese on Christmas Day. I could resonate with this. Uh, My kids were just, they are all sick on Christmas Day last year. They're just throwing up everywhere. And I'm like, that's it. Let's go get Chinese. We didn't go there, we, we brought it in. All right, so this movie was the inspiration for me to get Chinese on Christmas Day. But you can tell not everything goes to plan. In fact, everything that says buy this, do this, experience this, it won't ultimately satisfy. And so the only reason uh, that anything can satisfy is if God is number one, if Jesus Christ is the reason uh, why we celebrate to begin with. Jesus came and he defied expectations. People thought the Messiah was gonna come to bring some kind of political revolution And they were absolutely let down. The religious order of the day, they were annoyed. They ended up crucifying him. But Jesus didn't come to please man or to please secondary expectations. He came to do the will of the Father. And he came to defy the expectations of you and I, that he can take the sins of the world and actually pay for it. So Christmas, listen, if you are disappointed, I want you to know Christmas is a time for a great realignment in your life. Check this out in Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. This is how Jesus came to the earth. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph her husband was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace he had in mind to divorce her quietly. The Messiah he came he showed up but not in the way that anybody would expect. In fact, if you were to think about it in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, a superhero, they're going to show up finally after hundreds, if not thousands of years of prophecies, you would think the clouds would open and all of a sudden God would show up or the superhero would show up. But Jesus came in a very humble way. He came to be born by a virgin birth by a teenage mother named Mary, who was engaged to a man named Joseph an engagement at this time was a legally binding contract. It wasn't marriage, but in order to get out of the engagement, you'd have to get a divorce, just like ending a marriage requires a divorce. So when Joseph heard that Mary was pregnant, you could imagine it created some awkward conversations. Uh, You can imagine that in his mind, this thing is not going forward. In fact, scripture says he sought to divorce Mary, but we see in Matthew chapter one, verse 20, which means God with us. Joseph in his doubts was confronted with revelation from God that Mary was not crazy, but God's word was great and his plan defied our logic, that that God was going to come in the form of a human being. In fact, he was 100% a human being and at the same time, 100% God. It doesn't make sense to us as human beings, but isn't that a beautiful thing, that God defies our logic. He defies what even our minds can wrap itself around. He came to be with us, to save us from our sins. Jesus did not come to give you a religion so that you had to prove yourself. He came to do all of it. Because God, in order to be with God, God requires perfection. And the last I checked, not a single person is perfect. So it'd take God who is perfect to be with us, to stand in our place, to take away our sins. Let's look back at Matthew chapter one, verse 21. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In order to save the sins of humanity, it wasn't just that Jesus was born in a manger and that's it. He lived a full life to die, to die for you and me, to stand in our place by being nailed to a cross dying on the cross and as horrific that death is it's you die basically of suffocation of of your lungs being filled with blood that's that's pretty horrific but the most horrific portion of dying on the cross was that jesus took on the wrath of god the punishment of god for every single one of our sins past present and future but because he is god Death couldn't keep him and he rose from the dead. So we need to respond to this savior today. First off, you need to ask yourself, do I know Jesus Christ as savior? Am I sure of it? Or am I trying to live for something else? And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, are you actually following Jesus uh, with every aspect of your life? Are you living in his will? Are you living a life of gratitude? Or are you chasing after that proverbial Red Rider BB gun, Super Nintendo, job, bank account, relationship, you name it. Here's the deal. If God can raise Jesus Christ from the dead, he can raise you from the dead spiritually as well. The Christmas story is the most important story because it's when Jesus Christ came to be with us, to give us the way, the truth and the life that we can be made in right relationship to him.
0: Thanks again for listening to this week's episode.